calling all ponderers of the paranormal. Are you interested in off-the-cuff, in-depth conversations about all things paranormal, strange, and mysterious? With a healthy side of levity. Plus, guest interviews with your favorite names in the paranormal field. Then, the Paranomaly Zone is the podcast you have been looking for. Join your hosts, Patrick Koffenberg. And Michael Carbono, the paranormal poster boy. As we cover topics in the realm of the weird, listen to the Paranomaly Zone today. Wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Hey guys, it's Carol from Fireside Phantoms. Please note that in this episode, it contains a depiction of animal violence that some people may find too disturbing. Listener discretion advised. Come gather around the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. One of the most researched and scary hauntings is that of the Sally House. The Sally House. Holly's all into it already. Yeah. Located at 508 North 2nd Street in Atchison, Kansas. And we thought nothing happened in Kansas. I think some scary stuff happens in Kansas. Wind storms happen in Kansas. BTK. Yeah. (laughs) The Sally House was given its nickname for an entity who appeared as a little girl around the age of five to seven. Most of my story will be taken directly from the book titled The Sally House Haunting, a true story written by the couple Deborah and Tony Pickman, who lived there from 1992 to 1994. Even though that is a short time period, it left them forever changed with many questions remaining unanswered. They decided to write the book after noticing the tendency with most people hearing of hauntings to discredit their experience or make up stories and exaggerations in what actually transpired at the home. The story begins with Deborah and Tony, a young married couple expecting a baby, renting an old turn-of-the-century home in 1992. The Sally House originally belonged to M.C. Finney in 1867. The 1,200-square-foot home had three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and was an ancestral home passed down through generations of the Finney family up until the year 1947. There were at least four documented deaths of natural causes occurring in the home, and all were members of the Finney family, which was not uncommon for old family homes. Dr. Charles Finney was a local surgeon, and his wife Mildred finally sold the home to Dick Mize in 1948, who only lived in the home for one year with his wife and daughter, Sarah Margaret Mize. Some think Sarah's nickname was Sally, because there is no proof a little girl named Sally ever lived in the home. The house sat without any residents for many years. In 1958, Ethel Anderson moved into the home and lived there until 1990, and there was never anything strange reported during her stay except 
a mysterious fire broke out in one of the upstairs rooms, and no explanation was ever found for its cause. That's bizarre. Right. What was she, how now, long was she there again? She was there a long time, 1958 to 1990. And she had no mm-hmm. problems when she was there. Nope. So Bobby and Colleen Humbar- Humbard were the next residents to live at the property, and they had a daughter named Heather, who was often found playing and talking with an imaginary friend named Sally. Hmm. The knowledge of this home having paranormal activity wasn't made public until the Pickmans sought help from paranormal experts after they moved in. Much of their book was taken from a journal Deborah Pickman kept during their time spent living in the home. The house has been researched by psychics, paranormal investigators, and featured multiple times on television shows such as Sightings, Ghost Adventures, The Travel Channel, The Discovery Channel, and The Sci-Fi Channel. Many podcasts have also covered this famous haunting, and I hope to bring my own perspective after reading the book and watching the footage of many recorded investigations. The house has been unoccupied now for many years and is open to the public for daytime and overnight stays. It has attracted thousands of visitors each year, hoping to experience the entities who reside there. A waiver is required due to the potential of injury, so fair warning if you decide to visit. Really? Deborah and Tony Pickman were of very different opinions regarding ghosts and the paranormal. Tony described a night when he was young and was scared out of his wits by the appearance of seeing a male ghost which stared at him from out of his bedroom closet. He never forgot the experience and had no interest in seeing ghosts or living in a haunted house. Deborah, on the other hand, loved everything paranormal and mm. always thought it would be so cool to see a ghost. Of course. She was not afraid of living in a haunted house and had the perspective that ghosts were once people too and they just needed attention or help. I would not want to live in a haunted house. No way. Tony's first impression of their new residence was that it sat strangely and he wondered why it was the only home on the block appearing sunk into the ground so (laughs) that a person would have to go down several steps just to enter the front door. Mm, Because it's sinking into hell. That's why, Tony. That's exactly what I thought. Records showed it was the oldest home in the area, and the landlord who recently purchased it was a local police officer who never lived in the property. Before they moved in, the owner had remodeled the inside, and their initial impression was a comforting feeling of peace and calm. They moved in on New Year's Eve in 1992 and never would suspect the house was already occupied. The odd events they witnessed started about a month after they moved in. The first memorable event was on Valentine's Day, and during their dinner, it was as if someone was adjusting the lighting for a romantic evening. Mm. The problem, though, was that there was no dimmer switch. (sighs) It was a curious thing, and when it happened again on another night, Tony joked, they must have a ghost. Mm -hmm. At the time, there were other little things they didn't seem to worry about, but in looking back, realized it was all connected. The Pickmans loved animals, and they brought with them three cats and a dog. Yay, cats. Mm -hmm. Go dogs. (laughs) They didn't think it a big deal, the changes in their personalities, and they thought it was normal for pets to be adjusting to a new environment. Also, the nursery seemed lacking their attention, and it sat empty without any decor, blank with white walls, because Deborah said they just lacked any inspiration, which is really weird for a mother expecting her first child, don't you think? It is weird. 
One day, their dog, Sasha, followed Tony upstairs and started barking incessantly outside the nursery. The dog was acting as if there was an intruder, growling aggressively, but the room was empty. This behavior lasted about a week. He didn't stand outside there for a week, but that behavior, <laughs> sure. you know, he just wouldn't enter the room. Right. Then there was the cold spots in the house. At times, they would measure the temperature, and it could be as much as a 40-degree drop. Mm. I wish that happened here during the summer. <laughs> Have you ever experienced a cold spot? In my house? Or anywhere? Mm. In front of the refrigerator when I open no, it. No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, have you? Not that I'm consciously aware of. Like, I've gone into rooms that are cold, but I don't know if I would say it's a cold spot. I don't know. Well, I live in a drafty old house, so mm. my daughter would always complain our house was freezing. Yeah. But I just assumed... Your, your house is hard to heat. It's just hard to heat. Yeah. 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 I don't think any particular room has a bad issue. You know, it's pretty much cold everywhere. Right. Yeah. They didn't have any central air conditioning, so there was no way it could get that cold in the middle of a muggy summer day. Sometimes they would have to sleep on the couches downstairs because it was so hot. One night at around 3.30 a.m., Deborah was woken up by horrific screams and heard a thumping noise coming down the stairs. Feeling something heavy land on her body, she woke up screaming out. And woke up her husband, Tony, who also screamed, not realizing why they were screaming. <laughs> it's like they're both having night terrors. Yeah, the cats were all pacing around with their hair on ends and trying to find a hiding place. Something had freaked them out. And Deborah then thought it must have been the cat jumping on her in response to the threat. Hmm. Tony decided to take a look, good man, to see what was scaring them, and thought maybe another animal had gotten into their home through an open window but they found nothing wrong. There was also an incident with their electric stove, and the timer on it would seem to adjust up and down erratically. Hmm. It would also just randomly buzz. Deborah, buzz. Thank you. <laughs> Deborah said even though she would turn it off, the buzzing just continued, so she gave up using it. After their son Taylor was born, the nursery still was not decorated. And for some strange reason, they both agreed on the colors pink and baby blue, even though at this point they had already had the baby boy. Later, Deborah wondered if Sally influenced their color choices. They also decorated the nursery with a teddy bear theme, and Taylor's crib had a wind-up musical teddy bear mobile attached to the side. While Tony was vacuuming one day, he saw the teddy bear mobile start up on its own. This happened again when Tony and his friend George were in the nursery setting up a new chest of drawers. One day they were visiting Tony's parents when his sister-in-law came in and said she had dropped off a high chair at the home and was curious about the nursery and how they decorated it. So she took a quick peek. After the Pickmans came home, I guess they leave their doors unlocked in that town, so... After the Pikmins came home, they found a circle of stuffed teddy bears arranged on the floor with their backs to each other. Creepy. Yes, it creeped them so much oh out. Oh, my God. And knowing the sister-in-law, though, was at the house earlier that same day, they asked her if she rearranged the stuffed animals. She said no, but was super uncomfortable going into the nursery, and she said she felt a very cold draft that sent her running out of the house as quickly as she could. Several times they would find a stuffed teddy bear misplaced, and when they had turned off the nursery light, they would find it back on a few minutes later. 
One day, Deborah spoke to a neighbor regarding the history of the home. The neighbor said she didn't know the previous tenants very well and didn't hear of anything strange happening. The conversation then turned to the new baby, and she asked if Deborah had him sleep with the light on at night. She told the neighbor that the baby was still sleeping in their room, and they always leave the light off. She assured her that what she must be seeing was the hall light on. The neighbor argued, saying they can see the nursery window from their bedroom, and at all hours of the night, the light was on. Oh, creepy. Yes. The Pickmans immediately had an electrician come out to check on any possible shorts and faulty wiring, but nothing was found to explain the issues. A couple of times they would notice pictures hanging on the wall turned upside down. Oh, that's a bad sign. And Taylor's baby picture frame lying face down. All of these little things were harmless and didn't really upset Deborah until she noticed a couple candles with the plastic still on them showing signs of being burned Ooh. and wax dripping inside of the plastic wrap. Uh, mm, that's fire starter. That would freak me out. Mm-hmm. Tony's younger brother, George, who lived close by, would often visit them, and on one occasion, Tony started taking pictures and asking the ghost to declare its presence. As George watched, a teddy bear with a beanbag body turned backwards right after the question was asked. Huh. Being so frightened, they both decided to run upstairs and tell Deborah. But according to George, a force kept him from moving, as if his legs were frozen uh, in place. Uh-uh. I'd be moving out of that house, like, right now. Right. Right now. Yes. Finally, after a few long seconds, he was able to break free, and they ran in fright to get Deborah and the baby. George insisted they get out of the house mm -hmm. and stay at their parents' for the baby's safety. That's right, George. But Deborah wasn't scared. Oh, I ain't Deborah. afraid of no ghost. Mm-mm. Deborah. I ain't afraid of no ghost. She's going to get thrown out a window. But she did decide a few days away might be relaxing and agreed to go. Mm -hmm. So they loaded up the baby and their things in the car. And just as Tony got Taylor strapped in, he felt a searing pain down his back. Uh -oh. There were three bleeding scratch marks, each around five to six inches long. Mm. Later, this became a common occurrence with Tony being regularly attacked by an unseen entity. Deciding to employ a psychic medium, they reached out to Barbara Connors, a friend of one of their husband's buddies. She first spoke to them on the phone, sensing a female child spirit who was seeking their attention and possibly trying to protect the baby from any perceived threats. Deborah was always worried about Sid's sudden infant death syndrome and wondered if the ghost was perhaps waking up the baby to check on it. Hey, wake up. Barbara encouraged Deborah and Tony to speak and treat the ghost as if it were a real child living with them. Hmm. Good idea, Barbara. I think, don't psychics mostly say to not do that? I think nowadays, yes, after certain <laughs> examples of things gone very Tell badly to go wrong. go to the light and leave you alone. Right. No. Yeah. She told them they would need to set strong boundaries and tell her she would be punished if she ever tried to attack Tony again. Mm. She also told them a visit to their house would help her gather more information. And later they decided to have her visit. How much money she, did she get paid? Yeah, they were skeptical for having her over, but she did it for free. Okay. Yeah. They, they at first were like, oh, she just wants to make money. Sure. She did confirm the entity was around the age of seven and also liked kittens. 
I like kittens. I know. She suggested for Deborah to purchase separate toys for Sally, inviting her to stay. She also said it might be difficult for them to move without Sally following them to their new residence. All of this just gives me the willies. I don't think it's a good idea. Deborah went even further and bought some toys and laid out crayons and paper in the nursery in case Sally wanted to communicate. Mm, Boy. This made Tony very uncomfortable. I bet. He's the one getting attacked. Yes. And despite him disagreeing with Deborah, inviting the ghost to stay, (laughs) he went along with it because, you know. The women rule the roost. Happy wife, happy life. (laughs) Tony. One of the strangest things they noticed was mold growing all over items in the house shortly after their baby was born. Gross. So this started after the baby was born. It was found on Tupperware, pots and pans, magnets, on their dog food, and even on some appliances. Gross. Right. And they found a couple tea candles lit in the bathroom. Uh-uh. Now, that made the Pickmans realize they could easily be in danger of a fire in the mm-hmm. home. Yeah. And the mold's not healthy for you either. No, so. no. And meanwhile, Tony felt buying presents and setting a chair out for Sally at the dinner table was going a That's bit a too weird. far. Yeah, I agree with him. And Deborah's behavior was starting to take its toll on their marriage. Mm-hmm. Tony was experiencing things he was reluctant to share with his wife because he didn't want to encourage her interest in the paranormal. So he kept these things to himself. One was nightmares he was having, Mm. and he was suffering from just a lack of sleep, Mm -hmm. feeling his moods were turning dark and agitated. On one such night when he was awake, he made his way to the kitchen for a glass of juice. And when he turned away from the counter, saw a little girl standing as a full solid apparition staring back at him. Wow. He remembered being shook up, but described her sweet looking and cute as a button with a fancy dress and a bow in her hair no more than five years old. On another occasion, he saw an entity of a blonde haired woman in old fashioned clothing walking down the upstairs hall. He also had a couple really scary incidents waking up to something holding him down or grabbing him while he was sleeping. Tony was convinced there were multiple spirits in the home, but Deborah just thought he was suffering from lack of sleep and hallucinating. Deborah does not give a fuck. No, (laughs) she's just like, whatever, dude. Paranormal stuff is cool. She's like, I always wanted a little girl. Don't take my dream away from me. Yeah, I don't care if you're being tortured by the dead that live in this house. This is amazing. No. Deborah just thought he was suffering from lack of sleep and hallucinating because nobody else or the psychic had yet experienced or sensed it. Hmm. Sally, meanwhile, had become very talented with her tricks. I bet. Turning on the microwave, being able to light a fire in an oil lamp, and surprising them all by getting the gift-wrapped doll that Deborah had left out for her out of the package without unwrapping the paper. Well, that's quite a feat. Yeah. This that's seemed, impressive. <laughs> this seemed to defy natural laws. And was yet, there a kitchen knife sticking out of no. the doll's chest? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but there was the doll that was purchased lying in the middle of the crib. Now, the crayon seemed a more difficult feat for the entity. But on two occasions, it managed to draw the initials M.C. and the number seven, as if in referencing her age. Or maybe how many spirits were in the house. Mm-hmm. With MC, Master of Ceremonies? Well, MC was interesting. I um, The first owner of the house was MC Finney. Oh. With so the maybe, initials MC. Maybe it was MC that was haunting the house. Could be. Hmm. 
Deborah continually would reprimand Sally as if she were speaking to a real child and scolded her for scaring the cats, as in many occasions the kittens would go running terrified of something they couldn't see. It was hard to say if Sally was just being a bratty kid rebelling against the rules or was truly trying to give them warnings. Or a demon from hell. Oh, yes. I think maybe that's I like the way you I'm think. Leaning with Sally. <laughs> Tony was doing chores one day and noticed his wife had left a load of unfinished laundry in a basket outside of the dryer. In a hurry to grab just an item she needed from the load, she accidentally left the door open. Tony decided to throw the other laundry back into the dryer to finish it. He heard a loud thump, 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 and assumed Deborah had thrown in her tennis shoes and went on with his chores. As he turned on the stereo for some background music, it immediately shut off. He turned it back on again. A few seconds later, it shut off. Frustrated, he started vacuuming, and the vacuum kept flipping off. This continued for a few minutes, with Tony going back, turning everything on, and then finally just yelling at Sally to stop it. Later that evening, Deborah remembered she still had clothes to fold in the dryer and was horrified to find her shirts and pants splattered with a dark brown paint or ink. Before she could further investigate, a chill crept over her as she realized with horror that perhaps one of the kittens had crawled into the dryer earlier as she hurried to get ready for work. This story is over. I I was worried you were going to say that. And you are correct. Was the ghost trying to get Tony's attention to save the cat? Or did it scare the kitten in there as a cruel way to get back at Deborah for scolding her? That's fucked up. After all, Sally had shown she was capable of turning off electrical machines. And even Deborah asked herself, why would she not turn it off? Did they find the body of a dead kitten? Oh, yes. Uh. I left all the gruesome details Uh. on that. I'm sorry. Perhaps she wanted a fight to break out between Deborah and Tony, hoping Tony would get all the blame. Among other strange instances, the couple had taken photographs and found once they developed them, a scary, dark, tall figure stretched out in one corner of the nursery. The photos also showed streams of light and blurry areas, especially around the photos taken of their baby. It seemed when company was over and the focus wasn't on Sally, she would ratchet up the activity. One coworker who was hanging out with Tony had a small ceramic vase thrown at him and saw it hit the wall behind him. Mm. He also started having his own paranormal experiences when he returned home. Thinking that his spirit might have followed him, he told the Pickmans that on a couple of occasions, things moved from one side of the room to another, and a pool of water appeared for no reason in the middle of his living room floor. That's so weird. The water thing. There were no ceiling leaks or rainy weather at the time. And then there was an incident when a favorite gift from Tony to Deborah, a plush teddy bear, mysteriously caught fire. After Deborah firmly scolded again Sally for her misbehavior, a mysterious crayon message was then discovered on the paper left in the nursery with the letters G O. So she's pissed and she's telling them go. Go. Okay. Yeah. Was Sally saying she wanted them gone? Uh, I guess. That's my guess would be. Yeah. Just go. Just go. I'm over it. Just go. I'm I'm over your stupid rules. So what if I start a fire in your house? It should not be a big deal. You should know I hate teddy bears. Exactly. And yet Deborah refused to believe that. 
and instead she kept trying to bargain with what she thought was a little ghost girl. At the suggestion of Tony's brother, they all decided one night to have a seance around the dining table. That's a good idea. Not. Yeah. Rule number two, <laughs> do not do a seance in the home if you think there's a spirit there. Terror tip. Yes. No seances in haunted houses. We're trying to save you guys That's from right. needless demons Don't need to do entering it. your home. During the seance, Tony felt something very wet on his forehead. When they turned on the lights, they all saw he had been scratched severely up into his hairline and blood was oozing. It looked painful, but Tony said he didn't realize how bad it was and it didn't burn. His brother also noticed a jacket he had set on the chair was scorched and there was a melted pacifier under the table. Soon, it was their son Taylor's first birthday, but his behavior changed, and he became frightened of his favorite wind-up clown toy. <laughs> I'm already scared of it. Now I don't like Deborah because she bought him a clown toy. Yeah, that's terrible, Deborah. My mother always gave me clowns, and I always wondered about that. Some people thought, like, clowns were, you know, what I, every child liked. I guess the intent for clowns was to be fun and happy, but it certainly didn't turn out that way. Right, so... He all of a sudden became very frightened of his clown toy. And he was also back to waking up at night crying and sometimes screaming in terror. So I guess like he had trouble sleeping a lot mm -hmm. as a newborn, like most kids. Tony would get up to tuck the boy back to bed with his little blanket. And before he could leave the room again, the blanket was torn off and thrown out of the crib. For the first time, Deborah started to think there might be something evil in the home. You think? Tony. Welcome, Deborah. <laughs> Welcome to the party that we've all been at waiting for you. Hello. Tony also had another very scary incident where a woman with dark brown hair had appeared in front of him. And when he screamed out for his wife to help, she slammed the bedroom door and a heavy dresser moved across the room. She held a hand out to his face wearing a long black lace glove with a black bird on the finger. Oh, cool. I wonder if it was her middle finger. She had the black bird on. <laughs> she told him that she was going to, but the words after that were undecipherable. Oh, shit. The experience definitely confirmed to Tony that whoever was in the home had it out for him personally. He ran for the door and tried to open it, but it wouldn't budge. And as he screamed for Deborah, everything in the room stopped. The psychic Barbara Connor listened to the Pickman's concerns and felt it might be a good idea to go public and involve the media, which had more resources for investigating and could bring more credibility to their story. They both were skeptical, even arguing over the consequences of their reputation being ruined in a small town. But in the end, they decided to let the crew from the TV show Sightings, along with ghost investigator Al Robner, to come and investigate. Not Zach Baggins? Not Zach Baggins. No Zach? No Zach. Not at this time, no. Okay. Barbara Connors passed away shortly after, and perhaps she knew in some way that the couple needed a warm handoff to experts who could capture the entity on their equipment and would continue to help them. The visit was so successful, sightings requested to come back several more times, airing more than three separate episodes. And they also brought the TV host back with them, who rarely goes on site with the crew, and psychic Peter James and parapsychologist Carrie Gaynor. You can watch clips of their footage online. I was amazed how they captured in real time the scratches that were bleeding and appearing on Tony without the camera pulling away. Yeah. Carrie Gaynor witnessed during his overnight stay 11 separate incidents where Tony was attacked. Wow. I have included some of these links in our credits. 
Soon after the shows aired, a former resident, Colleen, appeared to let them know she and her daughter Heather had lived there briefly for just eight months. Apologizing for their spontaneous visit, she said it brought back memories of how things weren't quite right with the house. She said her daughter kept getting in trouble for things that she blamed on her imaginary friend, Sally. She also said her daughter would play for long hours in the master bedroom closet and did things that didn't really match her normal personality. When they moved away, her daughter never mentioned Sally again. Many theories have been made by ghost hunters about who might be Sally, as the Pickmans could not tie anyone specifically with that name as dying in the home. The TV show sightings had someone researching for a plausible tie, and they did find a loose connection of a mother and daughter who died behind the property in a riding accident, possibly on a horse or a carriage, and the little girl was named Sally and was five years old. Hmm. Other sources say the son of M.C. Finney, Charles, was a doctor and had tried to save a little girl who had appendicitis. I think I heard that story. In the rush to save her, he cut into her without any anesthesia taking effect, and she died a horrible, excruciating death. He was too late. The appendix had already burst. Mm -hmm. But there is no evidence for this happening. Charles Finney was a surgeon who lived there and did treat people in the home, but there was no evidence of this episode ever happening mm -hmm. another theory is that mc finney or his son had an affair with a servant or perhaps a neighbor named sally and the mistress was jealous or perhaps foul play was at hand but one of the creepier things mentioned was that after the pickmans moved out a pentagram was found drawn on the floor in the basement of the home along with a bloody sweater up in the attic oh, weird okay yeah and during the time the house stood vacant uh, they were wondering maybe there were groups who snuck in and performed rituals oh, or yeah. witchcraft sure. because a lot of this paranormal activity started when the Pikmins came, yeah. right? Yeah. Moved in. Yeah. The Pikmins were also offered the services of a shaman who came over to cleanse the house, blessing it and sending away any spirits. After the burning of sage and calling in light energy, the shaman warned them that for a short time, this activity might get worse. The shaman said it would just be residual energy left behind, but she did get a sense of three separate entities, a man, a woman, and a little girl. She also said the woman refused to leave, but with persistence, finally felt her go. During the cleansing, Tony was continually attacked, having large bleeding scratches across his shoulders. Poor Tony, man. Yeah, Tony needs to get out of there. Yeah, he would later say he felt the house needed an actual exorcism. Mm -hmm. And Tony said he felt very alone in the house because nobody else was having his dangerous experiences. Right. At times, he said he had thoughts of hurting his wife, but they would briefly pass his mind. And he got upset that she brushed him off when he talked about seeing different spirits in the house. The only thing that helped him was his prayers at night. They didn't have the money to move or he would have insisted they leave when the fires started. If there was any malicious spirit, he felt foolish for being a man and having so much fear, and yet his wife was not afraid at all. He would often hear scratching in the walls and whispering voices at night. Tony also felt a cold presence with him and could have sworn hands were pushing its way up his legs Ugh. as he laid awake in shock at night. Creepy. Deborah, yeah, Deborah also had an experience, a sense of coldness one night when she slept. 
But for her, it was a comforting present. Oh, my God. Because she imagined the little girl ghost was cuddling up to her. Oh, Deborah. Deborah has balls, man. Oh, it's okay that I can't see you. It just feels so good to have you laying beside me. Oh, is that a knife in your hand? Oh, if that doesn't bother me a bit, you're so cute. You go, Deborah. <laughs> you should be a ghost hunter, Deborah, because you're you're brave. I don't know. She and Zach Baggins, man. <laughs> <laughs> they should go do a duo. Tony was very upset. He started to meet regularly with a priest since he couldn't talk to his wife about everything that was happening to him. The priest decided to visit the house in order to assess what might be needed and talked about blessing the home. But before he could return to the home to perform the sacred rite, he suddenly passed away. So now we have two people that passed away that we're trying to help them. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Barbara and now this priest. Mm -hmm. Deborah grew even more concerned when Tony complained of feeling ill and had frequent chest pain. Many trips to the hospital gave them no concrete answers as tests would appear normal. It seemed whenever they spent time away outside in nature or visiting family, Tony's mood and health improved. I bet. Tony's mother was very worried and after hearing about a very scary attack, insisted they move. Tony was heading downstairs one day and was hit so hard from behind, his body lifted up and crashed through the staircase railing. By some good luck or miracle, he did not fully tumble over to a nasty fall. It was this final episode that woke them all up to them needing to leave. Yeah, no kidding. They should have left a long time ago. Poor Tony. Yeah, he could have died. Yeah. Within two weeks, they had packed everything up and with the help of Tony's mom, found a new residence in town. Their last day in the house was October 24th, 1994. Only 20 months, not even a full two years. Yeah. Deborah and Tony are still married. What? And they have two more kids. Oh my God. None of them girls. Sorry, Deborah. Looking back, they both think the house had a demonic spirit that took the form of a little girl to gain trust and permission for it to gather even more power. It wanted an outlet for its anger and amusement, and that outlet was Tony. But my impression and perspective on the whole thing is that baby Taylor is evil, like in The Omen. <laughs> oh, shit. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you think he checked his head no. for six, six Yeah, six. no. But, um, no, I actually, I do think Tony is a natural conduit oh, or yeah. medium for spirit. Sure. And he unknowingly became the way for all these spirits to express themselves, mm -hmm. with the final goal being total possession and possible murder of Deborah. I think that would be the total game plan. Yeah, totally. There might have also been a force protecting the baby because nothing physically harmed Taylor or Deborah. We still don't have definite answers as ghost hunters and visitors claim the activity in the house continues. We would love to hear anyone's experience if they dare to go visit. And I would encourage everyone to go read the book. It won't be the chilling effect of a Stephen King novel, but there are many more incidents I didn't cover, and you can read about their inner dialogue of how they tried to cope with all the activity. I also really liked reading about everything they did to rule out other rational explanations, and I'm excited for their sequel, where we find out Sally followed them to their new home. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh, I don't know did, if they did, did that. No, I, oh, okay. I, I don't thought, know. I, that was I just true. thought that would be a great oh, sequel for them. Jeez. No. So when they left the house, do you know who got it and who held the chain of custody was after they left? The house is not empty. So who owns it now? 
I don't know, but mm. it's uh, it's open it's a, for it's investigation. A, it's a tourist. You can go there and go yeah. through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, you can stay overnight. Um, like I said, it's got many, many um, videos and podcasts covering it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just think it's it's incredible, all the things that they pick up when they go in there on, you know, EVP and weird um, anomalies with their cameras happen. And so some things are still happening in that house. So no one's gone in there and tried to clear the house or cleanse the house? Or... It's been cleansed and cleared many, many times. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I know. I've heard of that story before, and I'm pretty sure I've watched one of those many shows you talked about at the beginning about the um, Sally House incidents and the, that couple in particular. Because I remember he in particular was getting attacked a lot. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't realize it was still, you could still go to it and check it out. Yeah, I I'm, I'm just shocked of all the photographs they have and live videos. You can, you can see there's a lot of evidence, his scratches appearing yeah. and bleeding in real time. Now yeah. there's, there's been someone that suggested maybe he has this condition where somebody hours later, if they've been scratched, the rash shows up hours later, right. you know, and appears yeah. at a different time. But it's too coincidental. Like it's happening yeah. when something aggressive is happening at the same time. And the camera doesn't pull away. Right. It's happening right there. I wonder if Tony is still having experiences. Like, so in the book, they alluded that it's been an ongoing challenge. And I don't know if it was an ongoing challenge to heal from the trauma mm-hmm. or they're still having issues with him being sensitive. Yeah. Um, I don't know, hmm. but that's why I'm waiting for the sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, thank you. That was great. Yeah, that you're, was a good story. I'm glad you liked it. I and did. hopefully, um, if you are familiar with the Sally House, you've gained some new knowledge. I have, for sure. Yeah, I don't, think I, I don't think I had all the details, or at least I don't remember all the details from that story. So Watch for the signs. No Watch te- for the signs. No teddy bears. All sharp knives away. No seances. Thank you for those tips. All right. <laughs> Good night. Good night. So they got there first and that happened. They moved out and then this couple moved in. And that's where your story will begin on a more detailed level. Yes. Okay, great. Sounds like Tony might be a sensitive. He. Sorry. <laughs> I just take that out, Josh. It's black with purple. Isn't that hard to read? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Why'd you do that? Lord help me. (laughs) The charismatic hedgehog scene. La 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 la. I've never lived there, but there's people that don't lock their doors on. Criminals, if you're listening, that's a good place to go. Good place to go. Also, stay away from my neighborhood. Okay, cut all that out, Josh. (laughs) All right. Um Deborah had him sleep with the nut with a ah! As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com, and you may hear it on a future episode.